Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, stand with me this morning. I feel like I've been to church already, don't you? Wow, I felt the presence of the Lord this morning. Tears have already come to my eyes, and I have rejoiced in the Lord, and rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, you look uh, really good this morning. Matter of fact, turn back to him and say, you look better than I first thought when I walked in here. We're so glad you're at Ray of Hope. Welcome to the second service today. And you have a very special treat in store for you. Uh, Brother Richard Bolte is with us. Brother Richard is the founder of Mercy and Grace Ministries. He has a very unique story in the fact that he has gone through some stuff. How many of you, you here have ever gone through some stuff? Okay, I, I deserve a better response than that. How many of you have ever gone through some stuff? God just gives you some stuff to go through, doesn't he? But the good news is, as we've already heard sung, he is full of mercy and grace and truth to help us through our most difficult situations. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Brother Richard Bolte, come right now and minister the word of God to us. Thank you so much for being here. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank God. What a wonderful, wonderful God. And how wonderful it is to be back at Ray of Hope. Uh, we checked our dates and I've been coming here since I came, I came here and spoke at a conference that you had. You sponsored an IMA conference back in 2010. And uh, they asked me to speak at it and that's when we met and and pastor's been kind enough to invite me back every year since then. And uh, so this is just a, a wonderful place for me to come and enjoy being with you people. And your pastor is just, well, I don't know how else to say it. He's just top drawer. That's all there is to it. He is. He's the real deal. And uh, every time that I am with him, I learn things, I glean things from him. And I'm just a better man for being around him. And I appreciate him so much. I want to talk to you today out of my heart. I want you to know that I, I can only talk about things that I feel like the Lord's taught me. I, I, that's all I know. I, I, uh, I, I can only do that. And so uh, I'm going to be sharing my heart with you today. Turn with me, please, to begin with, at the, go to the book of Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and, and, and look at the first verse. Here it is. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven. And, uh, and then it begins talking. Now remember what it's saying, it there's a time. By the way, that's not talking about eternity. It's talking about a, a space of time or a season or a portion of our life. But then these next several verses say some stuff. Listen to this. It's the time to be born, time to die. Time to plant, time to pluck up that which is planted. Time to kill, time to heal. Time to break down, time to build up. Time to weep, time to laugh. 
Time to mourn, time to dance. You ever had any of those experiences in your life? Yeah. It's really something, isn't it? Time to gain, time to lose. Look at verse 6, yeah. Wow. Time to keep silent, time to speak. Wow. It goes on. Time of war, time of peace. Just on and on, up, down. You notice what's happening here? You got good, bad. Up, down. Things are happy, things are sad. You ever felt like dancing? I am a child of Abraham. You know. And next thing you know, you're crying. Ever been there? Everything looked like everything's wonderful. Can't get much better. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're blindsided. Yeah. Most of us have been there. You say, well, that brother, I'll tell you one thing. If you just have enough faith, it won't happen. You are an idiot. Excuse me. It's a, sorry, shouldn't have said that, but that's just the way it is. If, if that's your theology, you're in for a rude awakening living on planet Earth. Because I tell you one thing, there was a guy named Paul, pretty spiritual fella. Yeah, pretty spiritual guy. Had more gifts than you could shake a stick at. Really? So many gifts working through him that God had to give him a thorn in the flesh so people wouldn't think he was angelic. Well, let me tell you what this guy had to say. Here's what he said. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. <laughs> I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Huh? I know how to be broke. I know how to have a lot. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. The key is I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I'm going to talk to you a while about life. The best way I can describe it is it's sort of bipolar really is. We live in a bipolar world. And the only thing that I'm really sure is nothing's constant. It's constantly changing. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want to think I need a, something stable in my life. Paul said I found what that stability is. It's Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, in the Bible, even psychologists tell us that we actually are changing seasons in our life. We have uh, spring, and they say, and summer, and fall, and winter of our lives. I don't know where you fit at in that category. Uh, you young people, I guess we'll stick you in the springtime of life. Uh, you're young, you're preparing for your future. Some of you that are a little older, perhaps you're in the summertime, most exciting time of your life. Everything's filled with energy. Maybe it's the fall of your life. Maybe it's your mature years. Could be your most productive time of your life right now. Yeah. And then some of us, we've hit winter. <laughs> We're on the downside. Yeah. Our advanced years. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just life. 
That's just how it is. But I want to tell you something. In every season that you in every season, no matter if you're in springtime of your life, summer, fall, winter, wherever you're at, in every season, you are going to experience constant change. All young people, I hate to be one to tell you, but you're going to have some tears in these youthful years. Things ain't going to go away. Somebody's going to break your heart. You're going to find out that guy you like was an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Your heart's going to be broken. You're going to be left out of something. About the time you are having a great life, then it's down, up, and down, up, and down. And same thing, no matter where you're at in life. Ever had things going well at work, and all of a sudden your job was cut out? It happens. A lot of good men have experienced that. Build a new home. It's great. Then the next thing you know, you got a fire. People's experienced that. Yeah, up and down, up and down. So we really don't know what's going to happen. And by the way, can I tell you, sometimes these things happen out of season. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this right now. Maybe when I get older, but not now. You know, but if I get up to my 90s, then I'll expect something to happen, but not right now. So we, things happen to us just unexpectedly. I guess I might as well just go and tell you about some things that's going on in our life right now. I certainly don't want this to turn into just a focus on us, but uh, a few months ago, summertime was there, and we were sitting out back, and Sandra and I were just having a wonderful evening, and we were sitting out on our back porch, and, and uh, was listening to some music. You said, was it church music? Nope. <laughs> I don't want to hurt your feelings, but... I, we wasn't singing church song. We had some good old stuff on. You know. Yeah. I guess that's all right after being married 54 years, isn't it? For crying out loud. Uh, we were sitting out back just talking. And, and I said, you know, baby. Her name's Sandra, by the way. I said, babe. I just don't know anybody's got a better life than we do. I said, you know, we live in a condominium. We don't have a big house. When we moved to Franklin, Tennessee, I couldn't afford the size of house that I had in Hattiesburg, Tennessee, or Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Trust me. Couldn't do that. So we downsized. But we're happy. Got a wonderful place. Close to one of our daughters. Our other daughter lives in North Carolina. Our daughters are doing great. Our sons-in-laws are so blessed in their jobs and in their businesses. They're just, they're blessed. Four grandchildren, oldest granddaughter. We had just felt, found out that she was expecting we was going to have a great-grandchild. Oh, wow. Our other granddaughter is just doing great in her chosen field. My grandson's on staff at a great church in North Carolina. You know, and our, our youngest granddaughter is, is straight-A student and scholarship student at the University of Tennessee. Just, you know, just blast. And I said, honey, I just, I just don't know anybody that's any more blessed than we are. And then, a few weeks, Sandra started having trouble with the kidney infection. We got all that cleared up. And then she just kept feeling weak and 
started losing weight. Well, we had to get over all that because the birth of our great-grandson came on October 2nd. Oh, man. Brock Matthew. Isn't that a good name? Brock Matthew. What a kid. That's got to be the most beautiful kid's ever been born in the history of the world. I mean, beautiful child. Anyway, we were just elated. October 2nd. But then Sandra just kept feeling bad. Kept losing weight. And uh, my wife is a petite woman anyway. And I said, honey, we're just going to take you to the doctor. We've got to find out what's going on. So December 19th, we got in with our doctor. And he said, we need to run a blood panel. And he did. Then late that night, we got a phone call from him. A doctor called us at 6.30 that night and said, uh, I, I had to call you because I've already contacted an oncologist friend of mine. Uh, your white blood cells are just off the charts and we need to get you with an oncologist. So two days later, December 21st, which happened to be our 54th wedding anniversary, we were at the oncologist. They drew blood. We waited and we waited and finally the oncologist came in and said, you have leukemia. And uh, needless to say, that just was not what we was expecting for anniversary. You know, uh, we had reservations made to go out that night. We didn't go out that night. Uh, then they set us up with a specialist from Vanderbilt University and uh, this guy's supposed to be the best in that part of the country. And he met with us and he examined the blood. And he said, well, now let me tell you something else that we have discovered. You don't have just leukemia. They call it atypical, which means it's not typical. Uh, he said, in fact, I've only ever seen five cases of it. And he said, we've we got to start attacking this thing. And your white blood cells, the ones that's being created, are bad cells. They're not even healthy cells. They're bad cells. And they're attacking your red blood cells. And uh, so she had to have uh, blood infusion. And I'm on and on and on. I'm just, just telling you this. Bad time. Just a few months ago, sitting on our back porch, saying... Honey, I, I tell you, babe, I just don't think she can get much better. And now we find out that she's facing a disease that's uh, incurable except for a uh, bone marrow uh, transplant. And, but they can't do any of thinking that until they get all of this in remission. Told you that to tell you this. Up, down. Anybody with me here? Up. Down. I'm not here to get your sympathy. I'm just trying to use that for an illustration, all right? Up, down. Friends, I want to tell you, that's life. That's life. You say, well, Brother Bolton, if you had enough faith, that, that wouldn't have happened. <clears throat> I suggest you don't tell me that out in the parking lot. <laughs> don't tell me that out in the parking lot because I'm really not the holiest guy in the building. If your wife was really a Christian, it wouldn't have happened. I know you better not tell me that one. Because <laughs> pastor will have to be praying me through. But I'm, you hear what I'm saying? 
things happen to us. Up, down. Here's the question. When these bipolar attacks happen, how do we handle them? What do we do with them? That's the question. Not that if they're going to come. Something's going to happen. I hope to God it's never anything like this for any of you. But I will tell you something's going to happen somewhere along the line that's not fun in your life. Here is the question. How are you going to handle it? How are you going to respond? Are, are, are you going to become angry at God? Or are you going to live in fear? Are you going to live in frustration? What are you going to do with it? You're going to make some kind of response. Well, I want to tell you, I believe the Lord has showed me some things a long time ago preparing me for this. Because there's some things I believe the Lord showed me that will help us handle this bipolar life. And I want to share that with you for a while today. Here are some things that I believe that the Lord has taught me. Here is the first thing. You must cultivate faith and trust. Now, by the way, you cultivate it. It doesn't happen automatic. Cultivate faith and trust to accept whatever God allows to come into your life. Good or bad. You got it? I know that you don't like that, but that's truth anyhow. Cultivate it. Faith and trust. Again, I got to tell you, it will not come automatically. It's something that you've got to build. It's something that you've got to pray for. It's something that you've got to use your mind on. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Learn the promises of God and hold on to them. Trust God. Trust God. You say, well, every Christian trusts God. No, they don't. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just because you're a believer, you don't necessarily trust God. Amen. You know, it's like the children of Israel when they had the opportunity to go into the promised land. They believed in God. They had seen his miracles. They had seen the plagues. They had seen God do big things. They had seen him part a Red Sea. But when it come time to go into the land, they said, huh? What? There's giants. There's walled cities. No trust. No trust. They believed in God, but no trust. So cultivate your faith and your trust. And can I just tell you the best way to do that? One of the best ways? Make sure you hang around the house of God. Make sure you hang around the people of God that are people of faith. Amen. Don't hide. Don't hide. Don't hibernate someplace. Don't just cut yourself off. Buddy, I want to tell you one thing. I needed to be at Ray Hope today. Can I tell you something? I've always told my wife about this place and how much it, I've been blessed over the years coming here just meeting you and 
in this presence of the Lord and spending time with pastor. And, and so I, I, when we found out the news, I said, I, I, because I've, when she started feeling bad and started losing weight, I, I started counseling meetings and staying at home and making sure she is all right and helping her around the house. And by the way, you know what? Housework ain't no fun. <laughs> she had lost all of her energy. She was just, she was going to bed all the time. And I want to tell you, I found her recipe book. I can cook. I really got not as good as her, but I can cook. And I can take care of the house. I can wash clothes. I can do those things. I'm trying to tell you, I cut everything off. And then I told her, I said, you know what? I, I'm scheduled to go out to uh, Ray of Hope. I think I'm going to call Pastor McCord and, and just explain things to him. And, and she said, no, you're not. My two daughters were there. My daughter said, no, you're not. Daddy, we've heard about, the, you talk about that church and how you're always blessed by that church and you're always receive strength from the pastor. You're going to that one. You're, 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 you're going to go to that one. We don't know what you're going to do yet, but you're going to that one. I said all that to say this. I need Ray Hope today. I need Mike McCord in my life today. I need a right. This is where to hang out. If you're going through something right now, that that bipolar switch is hit and it's down and it's not good, I'm telling you, hang around this bunch right here. Amen. I'm, that's, that's good preaching, Boldy. It's the truth. It's the truth. I believe that. Okay, here's the next thing. Pursue a lifestyle that's focused on God, not your problems. Pursue a lifestyle that's focused on God because he still has a purpose for your life. You say, you really believe that? Yes, I believe it. Concerned about my wife? Yes. Worried about Sandra? You better believe it. But God still has a purpose for our life. And we're pursuing God. We're seeking God. I challenge you to do it. Here's the next thing. Develop a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving for God's gifts and mercy of grace. Listen. If you're not a person of thanksgiving, you need to be. If you're not a person of gratitude, you need to be. If all you can do is think about what you don't have or what you're going through, then you've got a problem. And your problem's going to stay. You're not going to get any better in this situation. And it's going to drag you down. What you're going to need to do, and I need to do, is take authority over my mind, and we can do that, and I can open up this mouth and I can say, thank God for your goodness. I can find something to thank God about. I can praise him. Amen. Amen. I told him in the first service, I, I've never been smart enough to uh, learn anything the easy way. I've always had to learn it the hard way. But I've learned this lesson a long time ago. And you that might remember our part of our testimony. Sandra and I divorced back in 1980. We was only divorced about three months. 
And then, you know, I came to my senses and begged and pleaded and got her back. Hey, I got you. I got no pride. <laughs> but anyway, we were remarried. And then God was so good to us, he let us go broke. Isn't that good? I'd been out of the ministry and been in business and <laughs> my business went broke. We had a beautiful home that was in a planned community. Our house was just right across from the 10th green. It was a lovely place. Four bedrooms, three baths. It was a nice place. Lost that. <laughs> Sandra totaled my Lincoln Town car. I had to sell her little old sports car. Couldn't afford it anymore. It's crazy. Owed people that it was my suppliers and stuff. I owed them a lot of money. And I remember taking some of Sandra's jewelry around to them and just giving it that, giving them that, seeing if, seeing if I could get them off my back. It was bad times. But we'd renewed our marriage covenant and we'd renewed our covenant to God. And so we were, man, we were trying our best. We moved in an apartment with two teenage girls. That'll humble you right there. And, uh, and just, you know, begging and pleading God for a miracle. And this is back in 1981. And I don't know how it was out here in Oklahoma, but we was living in Mobile at that time. And this is when the, uh, the prosperity message was really hot. And oh my goodness, everybody was naming it and claiming it and blabbing it and grabbing it. And I mean, it, it was really hot. And, uh, and, and I'd hear these people on radio, oh, they're teaching this stuff. And, and they're saying, uh, tell your checkbook it's a liar. And so I tried that. I got out my checkbook and I said, you lying devil. <laughs> I'm rich. I'm rich. It didn't help. One guy said, go outside and call it in from the four winds. So I was embarrassed to try that in the daytime. <laughs> so I, I snuck out at nighttime out in the parking lot of the apartment place where we were living and I turned to the north and the south and the east and the west and I said give it up <laughs> give it up well nothing happened <laughs> you ever pray and get frustrated while you're praying and have to apologize before you even get up oh come on I can't be the only body only person in this place and so it was bad. Here I am trying to use all my faith and do all the stuff that these people are telling me to do. And then I'm driving a station wagon that's got 185,000 miles on it and the speedometer's broke. And I hated that car. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I hated that car. But that's all I had. I'm working in Mobile. Hot, 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 hot. My car stops on me on Airport Boulevard, busiest street in town at 5 o'clock rush hour. And I told them in the first service, I said, now the people in, in Mobile, they're, they're not uh, filled with kindness like you people out here in, in, uh, out in Oklahoma. They're, they're in Mobile. They like to honk their horns at you and, and yell at you and, and give you funny waves. And, uh, oh, brother, 
It was horrible. And you think anybody would help me get that car over the side of the road? No, they was having too much fun yelling at me. <laughs> I finally got over the side of the road, and I was just wringing wet with sweat. And I got in the car, and I slammed the door, and I said to God, when you going to do something? And as clear as anything, the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, when you're going to be thankful for what I've already done, you ought to be in prison, but you're not. You shouldn't have your wife, but you do. You shouldn't be raising those two daughters, but you are. And you got a church that loves you. They did. That church just opened up their arms to people like us, somebody like me, and just loved us. It was wonderful. What I'm saying is, I sat in that car and asked God to forgive me and I said to the Lord, God, if I can't be anything else in this world, help me at least be a man of thanksgiving. And I want to tell you something, folks. It'll work. Cultivate that thing. Work on that thing. Get to where you are a person. You say, well, Brother Boldy, but I'm sick. I'm sorry that you're sick. Brother Boldy, I'm broke. I'm sorry that you're broke. Brother Boldy, you got all sorts of problems. I'm sorry that you do. But make sure... When the songs of praise go up, you make sure you sing them. You open up your mouth and you sing them. Here's the next thing. Ask God for patience. That will allow God to work on you. Do you know God's still working on you? You say, well, what about your wife? God's working on her. She's still God's property. He still loves Sandra. God's at work in her and on her life. So now I've got to have patience to let God perform his work and to complete his will in our life. Listen to me. God does not stop using us and working on us just because the seasons change. Here's the next thing. Desire an attitude that will meet with his approval. That will please him. The Bible says this. For without faith it is impossible to please God. Got that? So my prayer is this. God help me to have a faith that pleases you. Now, I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for a miracle. But I'm also saying, God, I want you to help me to have a faith that pleases you. Yeah. God, I want that. I want to please God. Oh, Enoch had that testimony. And, his, and the testimony was that he pleased God. He walked with God. And he had faith in God. And he pleased the Lord. I want to have that, don't you? Okay. Here's the last thing I want to talk about. Make sure that you are persuaded. I mean, you are convinced that his grace, the grace of God, will enable you to be kind and long-suffering and sweet 
during all these circumstances and all these changes. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to get ugly. You, you don't have to get hard to live with. When the winds are adverse and the winds blow, then I want to tell you something, friend. Adjust your sails. Amen. Because you can handle it. How do I know you can? Because the Bible says this, I can do all things through Christ. Well, I can, Brother Boldy, I'll tell you what, I'm blessed, I am blessed, I every day, I'm blessed, okay. I'm glad you are. You remember a few, several years ago, there was this old gospel song called, It Gets Sweeter As The Days Go By. No, it don't. <laughs> it wasn't a sweet day on December 21st. I'm sorry, it was not a sweet day. That was a lousy day. The only good thing was it was our anniversary. Everything else was... But I'm going to tell you what. God is still God. And he has given us grace and he's given you grace. And he will enable you to be able to handle with a good spirit of Christ through the situation that you're going through. Let me tell you a story and I'll quit. I told in the first service, it's just one of the most remarkable things that I've ever witnessed. I pastored in Mobile in 1988 to 1994 before I went back to evangelizing. And uh, a man came to my church that I had known many years before at a revival that Sandra and I had held when we were just kids. We hadn't even had children. And he came and he said, Brother Boldy, he said, do you remember a guy by the name of Harold Broadus? And I said, well, yeah, I do. I'll tell you the truth, I do. And he said, he's in the hospital and he, re he heard that you were pastoring here in town and he remembered when you and, and Sister Bolte held revival at the old Indian Springs Church all those years ago when you were just kids and uh, wanted to know if you'd uh, come and visit him in the hospital. And I said, well, yeah, I said, I'll be glad to. I said, but will you go with me? I want you as a witness that I'm not there trying to steal somebody's member, but I'll be glad to go see him. So went to the hospital. And when we got to the room, the, he had his sheets and his cover pulled up to here and, and you could just see his, his head. And I'm telling you, I would have recognized the man. He hadn't changed at all. Handsome of a fellow. Cold black hair. I mean, he was just a handsome fellow. And I said, Brother Broadus, it's so good to see you again. It's been a long time. It must have been at least 25 years. And he pulled out from under the cover a hand, and that thing was gnarled and twisted. I said, oh, brother brought us because I remembered that he was one of the greatest pianists I'd ever heard in a church. And then he pulled out the other one and it was the same way. I said, oh, brother brought us. I am so sorry. What happened? And he said, well, several years ago I had some, something happened and he said it left me with crippling arthritis and, and this is how it is. And so 
That's all he said because he wanted to know about us. He wanted to know about our daughters. He was just so full of life, the sweetest man you could imagine. And then while we were talking, the nurse came in to take his vital signs. She took his blood pressure, the temperature, and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, he said to me, Brother Bolt, excuse me just a moment. And he said to the nurse, Honey, are you all right? And the nurse whirled around and said, What? And he said, I don't know. Are you all right? And she said, Why did you ask me that? And he said, I don't know. He said, My heart, my heart just went out to you. And when he said that, she just broke. And she, I thought she was just going to, I don't know, hyperventilate or something. She was just <sighs> heaving, crying so hard. And finally she gained composure enough to say this. My husband left in the middle of the night. He's not coming back. I didn't even have a chance to get somebody to come in to work for me today. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. We have children. And she was just going ballistic on and on. And he said to her, Honey, do you know Jesus? And she said, I used to walk with him. And he said, Jesus still loves you, honey. He's never quit loving you. And he wants to just be with you and help you. And that old fellow prayed with her. She reached down and took a hold of that old crooked, gnarled hand. And he prayed with her. She repented. Asked the Lord's forgiveness. And the next thing you know, she got her face is literally glowing. And she said to him, I still don't have any answers. And I don't know what's going to happen. But I know that Jesus is with me. And I'll never forget, she bent down, she kissed that old man on the forehead and left. And I said to him, Brother Brontus, that's, that's one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen in my life. And he said to me, Oh, Brother Boldy, I have to come in the hospital two or three times a year. And I always know that God's going to bring somebody in my path to where I can minister to them. He has turned something that looks like tragedy into a tool for ministry. I got to tell you the rest of the story. We got ready to leave and he said, Brother Bolte, would you pray for me? I want to be a good man. <laughs> so I started praying and I got stuttering around and stumbling. Got out to the elevator and <laughs> the guy I was with said to me, said, Brother Bolte, I've never heard you stutter like that. How come, it seemed like you had a hard time praying. And I called him by name. I said, well, let me tell you something, Earl. It's hard to pray for somebody to be good when he's already better than you are to begin with. I'm telling you, this guy's the real deal. What am I talking about? That man learned what Paul learned. Yeah, my hands are crooked. Yeah, I'm not happy about it. Can't play the piano anymore. But I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. He's my stabilizing force in a bipolar world. Stand with me, please. 
are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.